Acts 1, 4 through 11 says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for them, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John was baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took out of the heaven, and the cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and said to them, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Luke 24, 50 through 53. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifted up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he departed from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple blessing God. Amen. Thanks, Keller. All right, I'm coming. Look. Huh? I'm going to do some drawing. And for the lefty in me, I'm so excited about drawing for you. The only problem is you will not be able to read or understand anything that I draw. But by the way, I don't care. Um, take that, you right-brained or left-brained people who want logic and those types of things. Anyway, welcome to Redstone Church. My name is Spencer. Quite the introduction. Uh, thanks so much uh, for all that transition. It actually went better than we all thought it would be as far as with the kids. Uh, we have, um, this is not true by the way, but we have hired the greatest marketing team ever. We actually flew to New York to get this, this phrase for you. We're rolling it out today. Um, it's the phrase, May is for missions. That's, that's catchy, isn't it, huh? Thousands of dollars was invested into that one phrase. No, so for three years now, um, this is our third year. We've, we've wanted to unplug from just kind of our norm and kind of plug into something in this, this month. And so for three years now, we've said May is for missions. It's very, 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 very important for us to kind of pause and just, just recognize what the Lord is doing around the world and in our own hearts. And the reason we do that is we believe that it's very biblical. We, we believe that when Adam is created, he says, he, he, the Lord tells him, it's not good to be alone and your job is to fill the earth and to multiply, like, it's to go forward and fill and multiply and, 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 and just fill the earth. We understand that this, this, this missional moment starts not just with Jesus, but really all the way back to the beginning in the garden. And then one of Jesus' first kind of prophets, the, the kind of the father of our faith, his name is Abraham. We know that the first thing that God tells Abraham to do is to leave his home and to go to another home. And then when he comes really strongly to talk with Abram, he says, you are going to be a father of many, many nations. You're just going to fill the earth. And in the same way that we see Father Adam, Father Abraham has a very similar commission 
And so when Jesus shows up to give the great commission to us, for us to go into all nations, right? When he comes with that mandate, this should not be the first time it kind of piques our ears or, or piques our interest because we should have been hearing that for a long, long time. That's the mantra of God is that he is a very missional, missional father. This is a missional God that we have, at, uh, that we worship. But not just biblically, but also what is the kind of the uniqueness of our body here at Redstone Church is that we are a church plant. So we, we have felt what it means to be commissioned before for a home church to pray over a group of people and to send them out on purpose. We know in our very DNA what that feels like to be commissioned and sent out on mission to another part of the city on purpose. And then the makeup of our body seems to be very diverse in that we have people who, who represents other corners of the globe. And they're able to give us perspectives that we as just North Americans or Southerners just are unable to, to get on our own. And so we have a very eclectic body of people who love the nations and love missions and just sprinkled and peppered all over our congregation are, are men and women who have given their lives to ministry and to be faithful to that work, whether it's on a college campus, right, or at a camp and everywhere in between. And so mission is a very, very important part of our DNA and so once a year, we want to kind of unplug everything and just kind of with, with great intensity to have you guys just press in for you to think pretty critically of our own heart. Do I feel like I am on mission? And so for weeks now, all right, for weeks to come, we're going to be pressing that idea. Do you feel like you are personally on mission? But then because we are so family you know, we love families, and because we love community, we've also attached another word to that is together. Because we want you to feel like you, you are on mission, but we are, we are on mission together. And that's where we're kind of going over and over and over, is that we want to be a body of believers who are on mission together. And there's no greater passage to kind of look at than Acts 1. And so that's where we're, we're going to go. In Acts, you're going to see this, this kind of this mantra going on is that um, you, you just see this, this, this progression moving forward. And so here is our first kind of diagram is that in Acts 1.8, uh, this thing's going to move on me. In Acts 1.8, you're going to see something that looks like this, right? And the, the arrow is always moving outward. So yes, this is a true state. This is a true place. But this is never meant to only define who you are. And so in Acts 1.8, let's read it together. We see... This is uh, this. Jesus is talking. He says that, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. All right, so if you're in your bulletin or you don't, you're unafraid to kind of um, scar up your Bible a little bit, those are the kind of the two new concepts is that there is a power going on, right? There's, there's something that is stronger than you are. And then also that you are going to be a witness, that you're actually going to be verbal. You're going to have a testimony. You're going to be able to say something about something else, that you will be my witnesses. That's plural. That's good. 
You don't have to be on mission by yourself. We're on mission together. You will be my witnesses. This is a collaborative approach. This is amazing to us because we are a little bit insecure and, and afraid. But you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. All right, that's a good preposition. In, that's where you live. You are in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria. That's in, that's good. And to, another preposition, to the ends of the earth. And so these concentric circles or this kind of like a stone kind of grows is just this understanding that as a witness, it's going to go somewhere. It's not going to stay put, but it's actually going to go someplace. Whether you're home, whether you're to your neighbors, to the nations, and everywhere in between. I mean, just this, is, this is what it looks like, is that it's going to move on. The book of Acts, and I mean, we, we talk about it in, in pretty strategic terms. We say that this is the beginning of the local church. This is how the church has its beginning, and it's true. We also know that in the, in the book of, of Acts, we know that the Holy Spirit plays an integral part, and that can be a theme of the whole book of Acts. So whether it's this, this kind of the first century church and how they did things, or of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit just, just opens up ministry after ministry opportunities. But there's also a, there's a third theory of what the book of Acts is for, and that's where I'm going to take you now is kind of a journey through Acts. So if you've got your real Bibles, all right, it's going to be a little bit easier to keep up with. If you have your electronic Bibles, I would encourage you probably just to write down the references because you may not get to them quick enough. And so we see this idea that we are going to go from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the utter ends of the earth. We, we understand this idea, but let's, let's, let's see it play out in our Bibles, okay? So let's flip to chapter 6. Chapter 6, we know that there's some things going on in Jerusalem, right? In chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, right? Those kinds of things. Things are happening there locally, and the Holy Spirit and the, and the church is growing, and, and it's going like, growing like crazy. But then we have our first transition, and it happens in chapter 6, verse 7. And I'm just going to quote just a tiny piece of this, this passage. All right, so you don't even have to know the context, but you need to know verse six, uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase. So the thing, right, that was important in this passage was not necessarily how the church was going to go gangbusters, which is true because we're about to see that, or how the Holy Spirit is empowering. It's true because it's the only, he is the only way in which anything can happen. But here in this text, it tells us that the word of God continued to increase. There has to be a link between this dot, the fact of who you are. You are my, Acts 1-8, you are my witnesses, right? There has to be a correlation or a gluing between you are a witness and there is a word in which you say. Because the thing that's going to increase, the thing that's going to change people's lives is the word of God that's actually living and breathing and coming through you onto other people. You kind of understand that? All right, so, but that's just one step in the journey. Let's turn to a couple more chapters. Uh, chapter 9, verse 31. I didn't read all of Acts 6, 7. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. All right, all right well, here we go. All right, verse 9. You, again, you don't have to know the, con the context. You just need to know these things. Verse 31 says this. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. What was, if you can quote Acts 
and then Jerusalem, right? And then Judea and Samaria. Look at what is happening. This is a fulfillment of the prophecy of what Jesus told us would happen is actually happening here in chapter 9, verse 31. And the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and were walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It multiplied. It was going someplace. The thing that I'm going to press in on you this morning is, is it being multiplied through you? Maybe that's too much pressure through us. This idea that there is a trajectory of growth. There's a trajectory of increase. There's a trajectory of depth and, and, and gratitude toward the Lord. We're going to keep on and we're just going to fly through these. Chapter 12, verse uh, uh, 24 this is the same thing that you've heard, but again, it's good just to kind of a tick or to kind of check off. The same phrase, and the word of God increased and multiplied. God's word was growing and implanting itself in people's heart. And the work of Jesus was being magnified on and on and on and on. Keep going to chapter 13, verse 49. And the word of the Lord, you've heard this mantra before, right? I think you're starting to get it. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. Do you see what's moving forward? You see what's moving forward? What is it? It's, it's the word of God. But here's the, here's the, where's the, how is the word of God being spread to people? Through you. Through the people, meager, broken, like backwards, strong, full of insecurities, people carrying the word of God and it's going to grow and it's going to spread and it's going to multiply and it's going to increase. And so, yes, yes, it is the word that's getting all the credit, the Holy Spirit that's doing all the power, right? But there has to be some kind of mode. There has to be some kind of vehicle and somehow, some way, Jesus looks to you and me and says, you will be my witnesses, the way that it's going to move forward through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the word, is through you. And it really is remarkable. Verse 16 and 5, uh, chapter 16, 5. And the churches were strengthened in faith and they increased in numbers daily. It's going somewhere and it's beautiful. Verse 19, or chapter 19, verse 20. This is kind of the last time we see this and we hear this, but... Verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 20. The word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Is that not what we want in our lives, in our homes, in our communities, and in Johnson City, and the Tri-Cities, and Appalachia, right? That's what we want, is for the word of the Lord to continue to increase, but then prevail mightily, for it to rest in our heart, to be a fixture in our, in our very, in our very safe self. And then lastly, and this is kind of just a fun little footnote, at the very end of Paul's ministry, he's, he's locked up, and um, I love this idea because this is kind of the, the continuation of what is about to happen. The very last verse in the book of Acts even though it doesn't say it, there is something implied. And so Paul, verse, uh, verse uh, 30, Paul lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom. Again, you will be my witnesses. The word will pro be proclaimed. And so Paul, even locked up in jail, 
right? Done with the forward motion, having to sit. But all people are coming, but he still had one thing on his heart, one thing on his, in his lungs and off his, off his tongue and in his mouth, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness. And here's the kind of the, kind of the, the thing that I want. And without hindrance. It is just, I mean, the door is wide open. And it really is amazing. And so it is moving forward and it is going. We want to activate our people to be on mission together. We want to be a part of these types of stories that we are built. You know, this is what we're built for. And this is what we are building, right? Jesus built, builds the church and this is what he's building. He's building a church that is on mission together. Last fall, um, we pulled aside Juan Carlos Savias Chavez. He's one of our home missionaries. Yeah, that's his real last name. Y'all don't know that. He's trying to fly low underneath the, uh, underneath the radar here. But uh, Mr. Juan Carlos, we call him Wonka. Not like Willy Wonka, but Wonka. J-U-A-N-K-A, Wonka. So we pulled Wonka aside and we said, hey, can you, you help us out? We're trying to figure out what this word means. What does it mean to be on mission? What is missions? And so Wonka, he's a missionary to Latin America. We figured he would know as, as, as good as any. And so we just, we've we been walking since this fall with, with him. And uh, he's just been trying to keep us like in check and figure out some things. And here's the one thing that um, he would not let us get away with. He would not let us get away with just ambiguity or, or, or complexity. He forced us to say things simply. And that's what we're really trying to do this morning and this month is to say things very, very simply. And we had just had all kinds of different ideas, even inside our staff and pastors. We had all kinds of ideas, and he kind of picked up on just the confusion pretty quickly. And so for months and months and months, he's been having a conversation to force us into simplicity or clarity. Like, what exactly does it mean to be on mission together? And so that's what we're going to roll out this morning, and that's what you have kind of in your bulletins. We'll get to that in a little bit. You don't have to pull, that out, pull it out now. But he's really, he was really pressing in on some things. And this is where we want to apologize, and this is where we want to do a little confession, is that we had too limited view of what it meant to be on mission. From the early days, right, to be on mission for us as a, as a body uh, really meant for us to cut some checks to really, you know, good and powerful ministries or people. And so it was just an exchange rate between entity to entity. And we thought that that was a pretty good thing. Now, it's a, it's a good thing, right, but it's not enough. And so for four and a half years, we just wanted to confess that, you know, that's kind of how we understood missions is for us to be kind of a sending agent, right, to send people or to, to cut some checks. And even though that's part of it, that cannot be all of it, all of it. And so that's why you're getting a little bit richer understanding of what that means. And so we're, uh, we really want to apologize for that. But we, we have gone through all kinds of, of, of pain trying to get what you have in front of you, both as a word definition, but also in pictorial form. We know we've tried really, really, really hard to get that thing in working order. Um, even as late as Thursday afternoon, you know, we were still making tweaks to try, again, try to make it as simple as possible. And so here we are. Here's our definition. And Colin, can you throw one? I didn't print it out because I thought I would bring one up. I didn't. Thanks, Bob. 
All right, so here we are. So you've got two things uh, for those people who are analytical, right, and love words. I don't know why you like words, but here we go. Here's, here's your idea. This is your side, right? Is that right-brained or left-brained? Who are these people? They're right-brained, right? No, left Someone Google that, please. That's, that's gonna, that is mess. I'm left-handed, so I'm right-brained. That's pictures, right? You're right. Yes, these are word people. And then, <laughs> for coloring people who like pictures, right, and can't, don't understand these things, wonder, what's a hanging clause? I don't know what your, where your modifier should go. All right, I don't know this. This is, uh, this is our side. So we wanted to be a ministry to all of us, right? So here's what we'll do. I'm going to read the words, but then I'm going to draw the picture. Because I'm not... All right, here we go. On mission together. So uh, we come out pretty strong with, um, with the authority in this piece. is not Redstone Church or you or me or pastors. It really is the word of God. So the authority comes out. Uh, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and in Acts 1, 8, okay, so you, we, we need to know these verses. We keep them in our back pocket, pull them out to be able to quote those kinds of things. But in these two passages, Jesus calls the body of Christ to make disciples in our homes, in our homes, right, where we're at, with our neighbors, right, among the nations and everywhere in between. This is how we understand these two passages, is that whether you're dwelling at home, moms, fathers, the greatest missionaries on the planet, at home with your kids, with your grandkids, those types of things, we don't want to devalue that understanding. Also, your neighbors, your, your, you know, those kinds of things. We just want it, but we want it to be able to get the full scope. At Redstone Church, now this is particularly us. At Redstone Church, we seek to accomplish this through the four following primary platforms. And so we want to be able to, to send you, to be able to push you out through these four mechanisms. So these platforms are missionaries. All right. If we're going to be on mission, we need some missionaries. You need to know missionaries. You're going to have to be able to know their name and where they're at and where they're going from and know particularly what they're, what they're struggling with. We need missionaries both in our body and we're commissioning them out or also the people that are already on, on the field and we're praying for them. So a missionary is someone who intentionally crosses a linguistic religious, geopolitical, or cultural boundary for the purpose of communicating, that's the witness word, for communicating the gospel to point people to Christ. That's what a missionary does. He goes and he transcends something that's linguistic, religious, geopolitical, or cultural. He goes across that boundary. The way that we see missionaries is we see it in two different ways. First and foremost is a frontier missionary. What is a frontier missionary? A frontier missionary goes to an unreached people group. People who have no access or very little access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that is what a frontier missionary is. And then number two is a global missionary who, at minimum, crosses that cultural and geopolitical boundary. He is just not staying here. He is going across somewhere for something else. And this is how we understand missionary. We need to know who our global missionaries or our frontier missionaries are. We need to know and have a working definition of what these things are. Number two, we have ministry partners, right? So the second platform are these ministry partners. And these partners are gospel-oriented persons 
or organizations that share vision and values with Redstone and working to achieve shared strategic goals. So we've made a differentiation between a missionary, right, and these missionary ministry partners, right? A missionary partner can do great mission, on fire for the gospel, you know, trying to, to implant the gospel into others. The only difference is this, this crossing over idea, like moving beyond a boundary idea, going across, you know, a linguistic barrier for the sake of the gospel. You see the differences? So the heartbeat is the exact same. It's the location that differentiates the difference between, in our mind, a missionary and a ministry partner. Thirdly, is we want to be a part of church planting. We have been planted, Redeemer Community Church, and it's out in the year 2013. We're coming up on our five-year anniversary. It's amazing. We understand that. We, too, want that not just to be a part of our history. We want that to be a part of our ministry philosophy, is that we are going to continue to plant churches. Church planting is simply the creation of a sent gospel community unique from the sending body. We want to be a part of that over and over and over. And then lastly, uh, a stealing from Acts 1.8, we want you and I to be witnesses. We want you to be able to personally understand this idea that I have been called to be a witness to be a part of the Acts story of seeing the word of God increase and do unbelievable through things through a conduit like a broken sinner like myself. It really is amazing. So these witnesses, that's you and me, and usually probably in our, in our locale here, we want to equip everyone at Redstone Church, that's us, to share the gospel with the intent of either planting, watching, and or harvesting faith in Jesus in our immediate context. This is what we want to be about. All four platforms over and over and over and over again. And we want as a church to provide experiences. We want to provide these, these, you know, these opportunities, these experiences to help you engage these four platforms. Um, each year, significant resources will continue to go forward. That's a good thing. And we will intentionally be committed to this purpose. Our expectation for all of our members, if you call this home, if you're a member here, our like, sincere expectation for all of us is for our members is to be engaged in this call to go, G-O. Therefore, <laughs> go. All right, that's the Great Commission. To engage this call and go, fulfilling your part in what Jesus commanded. So this is how we see it, all right? We see, little, we see redstone here, right? Um, this is a little shield and a little table there. That's good, right? And then we're going to be able to do a couple of things. Uh, we're going to be able to be activators in a couple of ways. We also, we think that resources are really, really, really important for you to go, or better put, let's just do this. Y'all can understand that. Right, so that's money, right? So that we want to be able to be activators through money. So give a lot of money away, people, all right? Give it two missions. Or if you trust Redstone to be a conduit for monies, right, for these missionaries, I mean, we will just, we'll continue to shovel money that way. But then also, you know, we've got little, little people, Right? So we want to be a part of either. Either we want to activate both people and money to go and to be a part of something. Right? And that's what we want to do. So Redstone, as an entity, wants to be a part of this and just give us great joy. But then you see, like these, um, you see these four platforms. Right? Seth Heiss 
is amazing, by the way. Y'all need to take him to lunch. He, did, he, did all the, he does all of our graphics. He does a great, great job. And so what he did was he described kind of, and you see these. I don't have to, I don't have to you know, do, uh, redo his, his artistic. But he, he was able to give every single, what? That's a man. That's a conversation bubble. All right, that's, that's what y'all see that. I don't have to draw it out. Y'all have got it in front of you. You can take it home. Um, but what he's done is he said that there are four unique platforms in which we are going to engage with people and resources. We'll just continue to funnel these things. And they are all four very unique but essential in our mission to go and to engage. And so whether you are a personal witness Right? Whether we are engaging ministry partners, whether we're a part of church planting, or whether we are engaging, you know, just truly, like we have missionaries, whether frontier or, or global missionaries. But the idea really is everything is going to, 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 to reach the world. And so in the, woo, so in the same way, this arrow is, is trying to permeate all of these things because the aim truly is the magnification of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what gets us excited. We really, 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 really want to be a part of this. We really want to be a part of this. And we want you to be a part of this. Mainly because we know that our souls come alive when we do this, when we live our lives for another purpose, not ourselves. And that's why the arrows keep going, right? That's why the arrow keeps going. So whether Acts 1-8 or just our little, our little fun little cartoon, it's this idea that we're just continuing to go on and on and on and on and on. So a couple of things. Is it really five after? Two after. So a couple things with this. Um, we know that there's some major vacuums uh, in, in, in a part of our body. We know that uh, our personal witness, the equipping of, of the saints to be a witness, we know that this idea of becoming, like do the work of the evangelist, that commandment, that we are really, really lacking there. And so we want to engage at a higher level this, this year. So we understand that there's a vacuum, and we're going to try to fill that void as much as possible. Um, even as soon as July 1st, having a potential church planter from Ireland come and, and do some training so that we can learn what it means to be a witness for him. Uh, the other vacuum is this idea that as a missionary, wherever these are, these global missionaries, but also a frontier missionary, Someone who, or a family who has been called to go to a group of people who have never heard the gospel of Jesus. We want to be a part of engaging the unreached. For us to be a part of and knowing at least one frontier missionary. Someone who is there and on the, on, not on mission for Jesus. In a, in a place that they may or may not even be able to tell us where they're going or where they've been. Or we want to be about commissioning for you to have your heart fanned into flame, this idea that there are people day in and day out, week in and week out, that have no chance of hearing the gospel of Jesus besides some supernatural event because there's no public proclamation of Jesus in their town or their city, and that's what we want to be about. Back to Acts 1. I'll try to do this in, in four or five minutes. 
Acts 1-8, you see this, that you will receive power by the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we had said these things as they were looking on, he lifted, he was lifted up and the cloud took him out of their sight. Verse 10, and while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, verse 11, and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The first thing that I want for you and I to do is to look at verses 10 and 11 and ask ourselves some pretty hard questions. First and foremost, exactly how do you be a witness, right? How do you be on mission together? I think it's amazing here that there are two of them. We won't really want you to be on mission together. So just how do you be on mission? Do it together. Don't be by yourself. Don't be a lone ranger. Like do it with someone. But here are these two men. These two men, angels probably, and they stood in white robes. If you're going to be a witness, before you say anything, you've got to stand someplace. So circle the word two. There were two men. Don't go by yourself. Secondly, right? Stand there, right? These two men stood by them in white robes. There's a real understanding that missionary work is proximity work, is gluing two worlds together, like truly like walking and standing next to them and going through similar like things that they are and simply standing by them, your homes, your neighbors, the nations, anywhere in between, just find yourself standing with other people who are confused or distraught. And, and then he says, um, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way that he saw you go into heaven. And when you have a chance to be a witness, when you have a chance to say something, right? You're going together, right? You're standing there, you're with in proximity. But when you have an, just an opportunity to speak words, who should you be speaking about? Jesus. This is how to be a witness. This is truly how to do it. Don't do it by yourself, right? Stand, be with people, and then when you have the opportunity, make sure they know why you've been standing there the whole time, is to point people to Jesus Christ, the reigning and ruling one who will come back and rescue us all. But in here, in our verse here, especially verse 11, there's just this mild rebuke for you and me. And the question is, why are you standing there? And the implication is that Jesus has already given them a commission. And the commission is what? To go. And so the very idea that they're still standing there is a mild rebuke. And what, what these two messengers, our, very, our models, right, our very first witnesses, right, to the disciples. The disciples also needed some gospel coaching. Our t- first two witnesses start with, they start with a provocative rebuke. Like, why are you doing that? Why are you simply standing there? The idea is that our call 
is not just to be mesmerized by Jesus Christ, even though we should be. But that mesmerization, right, needs, that was a lot of syllables all at once, right? To be mesmerized needs to be moved into something, which is what we were calling mobilization. Why are you just standing there? You understand the idea of what's going on. You have been called to go and to move on beyond this place. We need to realize that standing, still, still, Being sedentary, not moving, is in our very nature. We like to just stand still. Our angels look to us this morning and say, don't stand there. Don't stand there. This is not out of duty, right? This is out of delight of who Jesus is. He's gone and he's coming back. This is all in reflection of what he has done for us. But don't stand there. Don't be sedentary in who you are. Make sure that you are going. We live in the most transient society that the human experiment has ever known. We can literally, with enough time and resources and availability, we can put our two feet on almost any square foot on planet Earth right now in 2018. No other age on the history of the planet has had that kind of access. What are we going to do with that kind of power and that kind of opportunity? He's telling us, don't stand still to make sure that you are engaging in the mission that Jesus has given to us. Mothers and fathers at home, neighbors inside communities, at schools, coaches who coach peewee, soccer, and softball, managers of big companies or teams, missionaries who have given their entire life to proclaim Jesus to others. In whatever way, we want you not to be sedentary, to continue to move this. That is the challenge for us this morning. So the rebuke this morning is, why do we stand simply looking up? It was a rebuke then, and it's a rebuke now. For all of us to ask us as a question, but then us corporately, are we on mission together? Let's pray. Jesus, I want to really pray against moralism right now. God, I don't want us to be on mission together because we're supposed to. We're just out of obligation or out of duty. Instead, Lord, I want us to be on mission in light of what Jesus has done. He's ascended on a cloud. And he will come back. And when he comes back, there will be a great triumph. And yet we know what that day means. And on that day, there will be a separation of people who proclaim faith in Jesus and those who do not. We want to be burdened right now. And so, Holy Spirit, will you descend on us and our hearts and our minds and our beings our mouths, our lungs, our hands, our feet. Will you descend now and convict us that maybe, just maybe, we've been too standing too still for too long.
And will you embolden us to realize that in the same way that the disciples were confused and standing still, he still can use us. We don't have to have our act together. God, we, just, we just know what Jesus has done for us and we can just walk in light of all of that. But Jesus, I want us to rebuke moralism first and help us instead of out of duty to walk into this season with delight Delight in what Jesus has done. He saved us from our sins. He wants to save other people. He's come to seek and to save. But God, I want us to be activators. I want us to feel sent, to mobilize for the sake of those people outside our realm of influence and then people inside of our um, concentric circles, Lord, that they will know what we speak of and what we are excited about, and what we are convicted of, and what breaks our heart. I pray that you are making us witnesses, proclaimers, ambassadors for the gospel of Jesus Christ right now. Jesus, do the heavy lifting now. Carry our burdens and make us light. Make us transient. Make us move. Jesus, we ask this in your name because we know that you will come back for us. We ask this in your name because you know that you have made us jars of clay and fragile and just made out of earthenware. You've made us into such, um, just you've given us great strength through the Holy Spirit. Help us to come and realize the power that's at our disposal that comes in the, the form of Jesus Christ. So as we take of this table, may we take it in great humility of what you have done for us. And we ask this in your good name. Amen. If you're new to Redstone Church, you realize that um, that we come to this table every week. And every week we come and we lift up just a piece of bread and we quote the idea that Jesus came and in the, on the night that he was betrayed, he looked at a piece of bread very similar to this and he broke it Right? And everybody heard the kind of crack, maybe. Or they saw the shattering and the shrapnel. And he says, this is my body given for you. Meaning what was once complete is going to have to be incomplete, have to be undone for your sake. And then the image gets a little more graphic in that he takes some wine. And he says, this is my blood that is poured out for you. Literally scattered for you. This blood is the new covenant, a new covenant that is coming forward for you for the forgiveness of sins. At Redstone, we pause. We don't ask one or two people to walk down the aisle to respond. Instead, we ask all of us to respond because all of us are grappling with these types of ideas. We can't stay, we can't stay seated as if it was for someone else. We believe these messages are for us, ourselves. So we encourage all those who are in faith in Jesus to participate in this. We've got men around the room. I will be up front uh, also share, or, uh, um, sharing a meal with you. And so come and share wh- wherever these stations are. If you don't have a faith story, if you're not walking with Jesus, we would encourage you, consider Jesus this morning. Consider him and his sacrifice for your sins. And so go ahead and stand. And so family of faith, um, go ahead and take these elements um, as you see fit. And uh, we will, so you're just missed and able to take whenever you want.